0: You're listening to Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness, the fastest-growing natural health, nutrition, and inspiration podcast in the nation. Uplifting stories, powerful messages, and triumph over adversity, the experience of entertainment and encouragement is about to begin. And now your host, Dr. Ward Bond. nationally respected recovery pastor and speaker, Craig Brown, is the author of Stop Hiding, Start Healing. Discover how to be set free from the pain and shame of your past so that you can live a life of meaning and purpose. Millions of people struggle daily with some sort of pain, shame or hurt from their past. And in his new book, Stop Hiding, Start Healing, Craig Brown helps the reader identify the source of the problems while offering a blueprint to break the cycle of destructive habits and behaviors that lead to unhealthy patterns in relationships. Craig inspires and leads the reader on a journey of redemption, by sharing his own personal story of transformation and healing through faith and accountability. And Craig Brown has served as recovery pastor at Church of the Redeemer in Gaithersburg, Maryland, since 1999, and he has spent the last two decades serving others in more than one capacity by addressing life issues and struggles common to adults who are searching for a new life of freedom, meaning, and purpose. Now it's time for you. To stop hiding and start healing, let's welcome Craig Brown to the show. Welcome.
1: Ward, thank you very much. Great to be with you.
0: Well, as I was reading your book, in the first chapter, you kicked off your book with three words. Pain is amazing. Why is pain amazing?
1: Well, It just is. Um, well, it's it's... Depends your, how you view it and how you embrace it. Okay. From a biblical perspective, God allows pain for us to uh, essentially to tear us down to a degree or to be a catalyst to discover certain things in our life that just are not working and just are not healthy. That, uh, conviction, that gentle healthy guilt comes around every now and then. And it's not, and it's painful. It just is. And, um, so just in my own personal life everything i am today and i mean everything i am today is a result of my deepest deepest pain and
0: oh and i'm sorry go ahead
1: yeah. When, when people see generally when we, when we, uh, are confronted with pain or, or situations, you name it, emotionally, mentally, uh, relationally, financially, whatever that may be, uh, our tendency is just to run and hide. And we could talk about that more because that began in Genesis chapter three, but, um, but all throughout the Bible and all throughout life, you know, pain is, uh, it can be, if it's nurtured in a healthy, healthy way, it could be absolutely amazingly productive because it identifies certain things about us and the bible is all about self-discovery or self-awareness and painful situations are situations of correction of blessing of healing but in the general market pain is i'm just going to medicate i'm just going to run i'm just going to hide i'm just going to numb this because i i don't know how to deal with it and i don't want to deal with it so you got to you kind of have two different perspectives and i prefer the biblical i used to be in the general market per- perspective and it got me into a very very bad place but then i was i was say i was saved i was he- i was uh, rescued and my whole perspective on pain has been entirely different and especially serving in recovery ministry for the last two decades
0: well can you walk us through very quickly of your own story
1: Sure. Um, gosh, I'll give you the uh, the scaled down version. Believe me. Um, I grew up in a church home. My dad was a, was a main lot, was an Episcopal minister. And our whole life when we were growing up, I loved the church. I loved growing up in the church. It was a wonderful experience as a kid. Um, but things were not right, uh, you know, in our family. And in that, Everything we did as a family was revolved around our father, making him look good, you know, making Father Brown look good. And that's a burden that's put on preachers, kids, that's very unfair. And, you know, what I would see in church or what I would see from the pulpit was entirely different than what I would see at home. My dad had his own demons. He had his own struggles. He was a very angry guy, and he would take it out on my sisters sisters and I. So if he's supposed to be the example of God, I wanted nothing to do with that. You know, I just didn't. And it just um, it just affected me in such a way that when I grew up and when I was about to get out of the house, I, I, I was empty. I really had no loving relationship or caring relationship with uh, with really either of my parents. And they were rather detached. they just didn't seem interested in being involved in my life. So I was searching and searching. I was a good athlete. I was, you know, I was an okay student, should have gone up, should have played college basketball, but I went to the, went to college and I just hit the party scene and I just, you know, the, the party welcomes everybody. And I was looking for somewhere to belong. I was looking for somewhere to be. And I just, that was my, uh, the beginning of my, of my downfall. And I dropped out of college. I came back home to, uh, and took a job in Washington, DC at a business, that was owned by the biggest cocaine dealer on the East coast. And I got at a, at the age of 19, I got sucked up into that drug world. Um, and so, because I was conditioned for it. And what I mean is I had no mission and purpose. I had no di- real direction. My father wasn't safe. I couldn't go to him for advice or really, you know, for, for mentoring. I I, I was kind of like out there. You know, and so this scene and and this life, which welcomes everyone, was just too easy, and I had no self control, no self discipline whatsoever, and I had just had major void in my heart and, and life, and I was just too vulnerable, and I just got, man, it takes you and it t- and it took me right in, and it was. I, I operated in that what I describe as a pit of hell for years and darkness, depression and pain and, you know, guilt and shame. And and it was just horrible.
0: Well, you know, I'm thinking about everything you're saying. And there's a thousand questions that are going through my mind right now of everything that you just said, because there's just we could literally be here for hours just talking about what you just said. But it's so sad to grow up in a home where... You should have seen Jesus in your father, in your mother. And that example wasn't there, knowing that he was a pastor of a church. And like you said, a lot of pastor's kids get caught up of trying to make their their father or their parents look good before the congregation, that everything's rosy at home. But it's not, and here you are, you aren't even equipped that when you turned 18, 19 years old and left home, you and, and I'm going to say this, and you let me know if I'm right or wrong here. You did not even have the Word of God within you to rely on when you went out into the world, correct?
1: Seeds were planted. Okay. Seeds were planted, but um, I didn't have a Bible. I, you know, Scripture was read in church and different creeds and different, you know, it was more formality, tradition. You know in the mainline denominations no relationship with with you know no you know god is love god is grace mercy relationship with christ you know none of that no it was there discussed you know shared but and but seeds were planted and i you know I, i had no clue i had no clue and until of course the pain was greater than my fear uh years and years later and I surrendered and gave up. And the one God that I ran from, the one family that I really didn't—you know, I—that I, wasn't safe, and it was rather dysfunctional. Um, it brought me to my knees, and I, you know, it's it rescued me and saved my life.
0: Yeah, and I am so thankful that, uh, as the, you know, sometimes we see the old neon signs, "Jesus saves," and He still does. So we we can rely on that for sure, Craig. Well, I want to ask you the, because yeah. you brought something up earlier about hiding. So why do so many people choose to hide the pain, hide the shame, even hide the guilt with drugs, alcohol, pornography, and even food?
1: Exactly, because we're conditioned to. We don't know any other way. Uh, there was no uh, you know no life manual that says chapter five uh, you know section A um, when pain presents itself this is how you are to embrace it and this is the action plan that you are to take when it was, go- you know the bible is that the bible is clear about you know uh you know how to about pain and everything about our life because that's our life manual um but go back to genesis chapter three when Ab- adam and eve were busted what's the first thing that they felt and what what entered when sin entered in what was it it was fear separation from god shame pain and then ultimately they hid see their their true selves were exposed and therefore they hid and they covered themselves the bible says and that and that was our blueprint and has been forever uh on how we deal with pain and and shame fear emotions that's what we, we we're not conditioned to to run through them now use the red sea experience as an example. And this is what happens a lot of times when people are dealing with pain because we're more inclined to hide and isolate. Uh, but, but let's just say, for instance, in your life, my life, your viewers, lives, listeners lives, you know, this, this red sea experience presents itself. Um, and a lot of us make the mistake of saying, God, remove it, remove it, remove it. Right. And, when the when the israelites hit the bank of the red sea he didn't remove anything but you know what he did he made a way through it and that's the whole point of pain and anything we're feeling emotionally mentally physically spiritually god's going to make a way through it you but oftentimes we make the mistake of asking him to remove it and he's like well i could and he has oh he'll do miracles in an instant but more often than not do for our own benefit for growth, character, uh, to develop emotionally, mentally, spiritually, even physically, he'll say, no, take my hand, let me be your guide, and we're going to walk through that Red Sea of your life instead of you hiding over there and hovering in the corner or running from it. And that's been the the, the option for all of us all of our life. But, but we are more conditioned to, um, when, when pain presents itself, is to run from it. And again, when it comes to recovery or addiction or other life challenges is to hide from it, medicate it, use something to, to uh, take this away. And that's the biggest and has been for decades, the biggest challenge with alcohol, drugs, pornography, and, and, and especially um, prescription drugs and other things is that it, they're more dependable than people, number one, because people know exactly how they're going to feel and when they use them. It's gonna it's gonna uh, take that pain away and number two it's uh, for most it's almost they're almost more dependable than God because they don't know they don't know how to relate to God until the pain is greater than their fear because when you're in the midst of your struggle when you're in the midst of your life struggle and pain that's your identity that is your comfort zone that's all you know you isolate and you hide in it and you operate in it until you've ha- you've gotten to that that uh, crossroad and it's like, I can't go any further. And that desperation is is where your heart has finally been prepared and God allowed you to get there. you know? And our prayer is always get there without harm unless you choose to do something foolish. where you''re, you're at that desperation point you're no longer afraid of that God or the changes that, that are going to happen in your life and you are ready to, to do whatever it takes to get well.
0: So you're saying everybody needs to come to that point of really just total surrender, like, Lord, take this over. And like you said, not to take it away, because sometimes I think as Christians, we need to ask the Lord, okay, what can I learn from this? You're going to lead me through it. What can I learn? Because in the end, our trial, our test becomes our testimony. And yeah, yeah sure, like you said, God could instantly remove it, but more, uh, you know, a lot of times He's not going to do that because it's going to be a learning experience. He could have taken away the 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 pain and the long distance journey of the children of Israel and, and made them get there in a couple of weeks instead of forty years. But He had some extra work to do on their character.
1: Well, what you just said is so uh, right on point. And that is what I'm, but this is the boy, this is the struggle when it comes to. And again, I have such empathy and I know you do as well for people that are in whatever, whatever condition. Okay. But oftentimes um, learning about how this is going to help me is way down on the list, you know, of uh of the bullet points of this situation usually it's way down at the bottom what am i going to learn from this because of the pain the shame the guilt the desperation whatever that may be right at the top is um i cannot go on any further take this from me what do i i, I you know i the people around me are are harmful you know, I can't find the right place to go. I've tried these other places. You know, so learning, learning of how this situation is going to help me grow, is vital. Is there, but it really gets covered over by, you know, how we're feeling emotionally and mentally.
0: Well, well, Craig, as I was reading your book and going through it, there is so much there, but you literally just covered I think I think you covered every area that if anybody's dealing with pain shame guilt you have literally created a step-by-step manual for a lot of people And, and you even I love some of the bullet points in the book you know in the midst of the chapters and at the end of the chapters to ask ourselves questions but you also made some uh, statements within that book and and one i want to ask you about which i wow i mean it, it's like one of these you got to post on social media but you state we repeat what we don't repair can you give us an example
1: it's true it's true when you um well let's start early on you asked me about my childhood and i just shared briefly about my experience we and that's the one thing all of us your your viewers everybody has that in common that's history it's the one thing every single one of us have in common is history now when you go back to early childhood which all of us have in common um we develop coping mechanisms i did uh, you know you may have you may have as well to deal with pain shame hurt uh, you know, your, your friends saying mean things and, you know, things, you know, dad or mom being angry at you or, you know, betrayal, abandonment, we developed coping mechanisms at a very early age, unknowingly. And generally our first, our first one was to run and escape and cry and get away, you know, and that, that is just a very, very, um, uh, you know, um, simple example, but there are other ones too. And, but we carry these coping mechanisms into our uh, young life, our teenage life, our young adult life, our older adult life, if we've never ever dealt with them before. And what I, what I'm in that statement, what I mean is that's why I love Christ Center Recovery uh, because the Bible and Christ Center Recovery is all about self awareness. And if you're, if you're not aware or if you continue to ignore, uh warning signs triggers pain situations in your life if there's bitterness resentment that you've been carrying for years and years and years it's just going to fester it's just going to be there all, all you know then that's the same true that's the same with addiction and other things if they're if you haven't dealt with it and repaired it you're just going to keep repeating that in your life you see ward addiction is a circular lifestyle it's circular it's just you know peaks and valleys there's there's good seasons there's bad seasons there's sober seasons clean seasons good relationships other things successes failures it's just cyclical and it keeps and it's a crazy cycle it's called and it keeps going around and around and around because you because we haven't taken the time to repair these different places in our life and different things in our life, whereas if when you're in recovery, when you're in Christ Center recovery, when you're when you're being healed emotionally, mentally, uh, the life of the Bible and a, and a spiritual uh, with a spiritual discipline is a linear, linear lifestyle with some bumps in the road and a number of different potholes in the road, but. You're not on that cycle on a regular basis all your life. And that's where people get, that's where they struggle. They fail to repair or identify certain things and they just keep repeating them their entire life. And that's my whole mission and purpose in life is to help people get out of that circular cycle of dysfunction into a nice linear lifestyle uh, with God as our guide.
0: See, I like that. It's like it's like saying, get off the hamster wheel and get on the road to Christ. That's just the way it is. But you bring up something about our past, because is that where a lot of our character defects and our shortcomings come from that actually influence our desire to hide?
1: Yes, absolutely. Abs- absolutely. I did a teaching on this just a few, a couple weeks ago. And I just, uh, in researching, I came up with a list of 194 character defects. Seriously. It was a list of, and, and again, talking about repair, repeating what you don't repair. Well, I had this entire list and the joke is those were mine and my wife had two, you know, and of course I'd say that, but, uh, but 194, um, character defects that, and, they are developed at a very early age. We do, you know, how to, you know, whether it's jealousy, bitterness, and other things, and anger and resentment and our approach of life, blind spots, and the way we treat people, the way we speak, and oh my goodness, we are, they're they're all over the place. But if you don't know what they are, if you don't know what they are, or how, or, or if you even have them, or you can't identify them, they're just going to repeat. You know, and we do. It begins at a very early age, and we carry them all into our adult life. And that's one of the chapters in the book: is we have to get rid of them, we have to identify them. Uh, you know, whether it's our mood swings and other things, and just things that affect our whether if we're married, our marriages or our relationships, or with our kids, workplace, profession. You know, they're just all, we ha- we all carry them, and they are developed very young. And we we if we if we're not aware of them they're going to continue to fester. And some of them will get very, very um, um, you know, to a degree where they're really affecting everything in your life.
0: Yeah, and they will. And I want you to explain something for all of my viewers and listeners, especially those who know the Lord. But I'm amazed on how many Christians especially do not know the difference between conviction and condemnation. Can you give us the explanation and the difference between the two so they will know the difference and then uh, completely understand? Because I know that once you know the difference between conviction and condemnation, it kind of makes the road to healing a little bit easier, doesn't
1: it? Oh, uh, without a doubt. People mistake that. You know, they grew up maybe in an environment where God was, oh, you know, we feared God you know, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Oh my gosh, if you do this, you're a sinner and this and that. And it's just so misconstrued and it's harmful, very harmful. But uh, condemnation, well, self-condemnation, you know, people, you know, that's that's uh, an issue that people deal with on a regular basis that are really, really struggling, especially in addiction, especially Christians that are still involved in, in, in addiction. And condemnation comes straight from the pit of hell straight from the pit of hell. And coupled with that is shame. You know, shame comes straight from the pit of hell. Now, there's a healthy conviction that's given by the Holy Spirit. When you say, Lord, come into my life and take over my life, you've received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit acts as that as that, um, uh, that, governor in your life and just, you know, making sure you're on the right track and speaking and caring fruits of the Spirit, especially, you know, especially. And that that's the healthy conviction that we have, uh, you know, as a believer. And that's healthy. That's very, very healthy because we're told to confess, you know, if we do something wrong or we, to repent, confess, acknowledge it immediately. Don't let it fester. And that's where the healthy conviction comes in. But the condemnation, which we, which we bring upon ourselves, comes from straight from the pit of hell. And if people don't think there's a battle of good and evil out there, all you have to do is look at social media and look at the news and listen to a few things and it is rampant but there's a battle for your soul. There's a battle for your mind, there's a battle for your heart and that condemnation is is just on the other side just pound, you know, in your ear, negative self-talk. Oh, you call yourself a strong believer, huh? And you're looking at pornography or doing this or doing that. And that con- that condemnation, the enemy is just piling it on. Where that where where God is with with a healthy conviction, just saying, "Listen, you made a mistake. You know, get up, get up, and let's start over again. Come on. You know, my grace is sufficient. I'm not. You know, yes, you may you blew it, but don't it, fail fast. You know, you you know, fail quick. Get up and let's get. You know, let me help you lovingly get back on track." And that's a huge difference. But people make the big mistake with the self-loathing, self-condemnation. Oh my gosh, I'm no good. How can I lead in church, et cetera, et cetera? That is exactly what the enemy wants you to feel. And if you, but but you control it. You control. We have control over that through the power of God. And just well, accept the healthy. Get yeah. rid of the condemnation.
0: Well, well, Craig, because I know in your book, and I love the way you worded it. Conviction is healthy guilt. So if we've done something wrong, the Holy Spirit rushes in and says, ah, that wasn't right. So you should be quick to confess our sin, be forgiven, start over, and move on. Condemnation, that's when Satan comes in and piles shame onto something. Is that correct?
1: Oh, my goodness, yes. Yes, and that's why people hide. Yeah. We haven't touched on that one yet, but that's exactly what we did uh, in Genesis chapter three. But that's why people, uh, you know, people go to church to hide rather than go to church to heal, because they bring their shame into church all the time. They bring it in there. And because of their fear of being found out, because of their fear of condemnation or fear of, you know, what will they think of me? They're just they're going to they're going to continue to operate within that shame. Then and and that causes them to hide. And you 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 bring up something
0: so vitally important in today's church, and I mean in every church. So many Christians walk through the door with a mask on. Oh, all the and time. they won't take the mask off because it comes down to who do I trust? You know. Satan's telling them the moment they walk in the door, you know, don't be telling people what you're dealing with. They're going to either look down at you. They're going to condemn you. They may ask you to leave. I mean, just lies upon lies upon lies. So let me ask you this. Why is Christ-centered recovery the safe place to take our secrets to? And why are family and friends not really a good choice to reveal your secrets to?
1: Great question. Great question. First of all, the family may not be safe. The family may be dysfunctional. The family may be trying to fix, 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 fix. The family may think they know better for you than you know about for yourself. Um, You know, I've dealt with that in my own family. I've dealt, I've, gosh, served thousands of folks that have struggled in that way. Uh, where, they, where it wasn't a safe family, um, and it was very difficult for them. And they had to put really good boundaries up. and they learned how to do that through Christ Center Recovery. Christ Center Recovery is full of people that serve and heal from a place of brokenness. and they serve um, and are caring and uh, they're real about their issues. They're transparent and vulnerable with boundaries. They all they accept and love unconditionally. They're no they don't ever have an attitude of oh, I'm better off and you know than anyone or this and that role on, on the level playing field the foot of the cross is all level we're all there trying to strive for wholeness and you know it's just we've made it a point just you know where we serve to always offer that safe environment because uh, but that's what I mean about when people hide in the sanctuary, it's, it, you know, for especially these larger congregations that, or smaller, they can go and serve and do whatever, they, you know, every single week and what have you. And, and uh, you know, when they, uh, they, they worship, they serve, and they take notes and what have you, and it's, and it's beneficial, but then they get to the car and they breathe a sigh of relief that they didn't have to tell anybody that their life, their marriage, their addiction was totally out of control. Right. Yeah, it sounds of, like a failure of the shame. church. Yeah, that's because of shame. It just is, and and the enemy wreaks havoc, havoc, havoc there. Um, but when they find out that there's a smaller, uh, you know, uh, uh, an, another environment within the church they go to, that's full of people dealing with real life issues, and and if anything, it's full of people that offer something that's missing in a lot of churches, and that is empathy. Because empathy is, I understand what you're going through. I've been there. I know darkness, depression, anxiety, pain, shame, guilt. I've been there and I understand. I'm not here to fix you. I'm just here to walk by your side. Welcome you, care for you, support you, pray for you, and, I, and help you on this journey. Because I've been there, but I'm, I'm, I'm giving back to you. And that's the difference where you have safe people, trusted people that, and, and again, when you're in the midst of your struggles over years and years, you don't trust that you, you don't trust. And that goes back way back to your childhood. If you had an abusive father, if you had abuse of a male figure, if you're a woman or vice versa, and it, there's just no trust. And it's, so it's very hard for people to trust, you know, anyone, you know, with their sensitive, delicate, painful life issues, until they get to that point where they're ready to do whatever it takes and they have enough strength and courage to go to the environment. And then once they're there, they may sit and just take it in. And then weeks or months later, they're going to open up because they realize these people care for me. They love me unconditionally. I trust them and I can share my, my secrets. I can take my secrets here safely.
0: Yeah. And, you know, especially in your book, and you talk about shame and shame is such a strong force that can keep us captive for years and a lot of people with dealing with shame they speak to themselves they they say a lot of things that you mentioned in the book and a lot of people feel that they're the only one but isn't it true that once they understand or maybe they go to these these the, the ministry within the church where um, the group, let's say just uh, the group leaders have gone through their own shame, their own guilt, their own hardships, and and come out on the other side with great victory and, and triumph and, and recovery. And they those are the people to talk to, like, just like you said, because those people are going to be able to s- tell the other ones that are looking for healing. Hey, I've been there. I know exactly what you're going through, and there's a way out. And his name's Jesus, and, yeah. and it's amazing how strong of the force of shame is, and it's oh. it's shocking on that it's so difficult to break for millions of people.
1: Well, what it does, um, and what people don't realize, it, it it's almost like a, a crust around your around your soul, because you've um, experienced it. You uh you layer it over and over and over again, all, all the years through your struggle or through your life, never ever getting to the point where you're asking God, say, God, shatter this shame around my soul. And that it it, it happened to me, and I've seen it happen to thousands of people because I, I'm a true I'm without a doubt, shame is the number one deterrent for one to really surrender and get healed and be healed. But here's the, here's the promise. And God is, God takes that shame and it's almost like he's chiseling away every time you step into his presence, every time you step in to do the right thing and to learn how to heal and to get better, to be surrounded by people that care for you and hold you accountable for you to share the secrets you've held on to for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years with every, at every step of the way, that shame begins to shatter and you will and I, gosh, you'll get to the place, you'll get to the place where you're going to be able to share your story, share the difficulties, share the pain, struggle, share everything that you've been through. The tears will go away eventually. The sadness and the grief will subside eventually. But early on it's a beautiful experience when you can really the Lord is just healing, bringing healing and restoration to you by shattering that shame and when that is when that happens, watch out.
0: <laughs> <Get> <laughs> well,
1: get, you get you ready. mentioned
0: uh, you mentioned in your book uh, a very powerful scripture that I believe I, I know for a fact that I quote numerous times a day. Uh, tell us how important it is, and you mentioned for a lot of people that are dealing with shame, there's also a trust issue. And mm-hmm. why is Proverbs three, five, and six so important in recovery?
1: Oh, it just is. It not just recovery, life, because it's trust in the Lord with all your heart. When your <clears throat> excuse me, when your heart is broken, when your heart is hurt, when your heart is is. Um, you know hardened to a degree you know it's hard to trust god with all your heart you know it just is and then it says lean not on your own on your own understanding well it's my own understanding that got me in the worst <laughs> worst, <laughs> yeah. worst place in my life I leaned on, I knew everything. Oh, yes, this is for me. Oh, uh, let me make all the, let me keep uh, not repairing and let me keep repeating. Let me keep the painful, the shame decisions and, uh, you know, because I leaned on my own understanding, but God says, no, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not on your own understanding. And that's a big pivot for a lot of us in life. It just is. And especially for folks that are dealing with life struggles, including addiction to because, uh, they don't want to release control. They don't want to, they don't know how to trust God with all their heart. They don't know how to lean on, you know, you know, you know, lean not on your own understanding. Yeah. And that's, so, the
0: surrendering self.
1: It is. And that's a big pivot. That's a total pivot because they're, you know, they've tried to control it and they've done a, you know, I don't know if it's, if I classify it as a good job, but it's an unhealthy job and it worked, but it's, you know, your best, your best thinking got you there. Now, I think it's time to change yeah, and trust in him with all, with your, with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding.
0: So how do we create a new past and deal with the old one?
1: Great question. But, and that's, I get the deer in headlight look look when I bring that up with people. Like, how can I get rid of my old past? Well, you can't create a new past until you've dealt with the old one, number one. Secondly, um, when you become a new creation, it's on the, it's on the, at that instant. And at on that day that you are beginning to create your new past because you're a new creation. All the, the old is now gone. The new begins on this day. Now, a lot of believers make the mistake that salvation is it. Okay? The end all. Oh, I accepted Jesus. That's good. Now, you know, and which is the best decision you'll ever make in your entire life? Hands down. But, but... If they don't nurture that decision, if they don't nurture the spirit they just received, and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the love of God, if they don't put effort into it—going to a gospel ch- uh, teaching church, preaching church, getting involved in Christ Center Fellowship, being around others, uh, going to adult classes, getting immersed in the Bible, getting in a Bible study—if you don't, uh, you know, if you don't take action you know, uh you're you're still saved, you're still born again, you're still in the Lamb's book of life, but you you know, you may not uh advance as much as you should. Whereas the other uh individual I would describe is the person that is that on that very day, uh and I can ex- I can say from experience, when I cried out to the Lord after standing by my dad's my dad's bedside when he was dying, and that was it. And, uh, I'd had that pain was so, so bad uh, because the Lord allowed me to get to the foot of his bed that I cried out the very next day and I surrendered my life. And I said, God, come in. Jesus, come into my life. I don't know how to do this. I don't know who. Just I can't take it anymore. And it was Miraculous absolutely miraculous. and that was the first day of my own personal recovery and it was the first day of developing my new past because what I did and I, this is where I encourage others that make that decision, immerse yourself into every opportunity you can in a good Bible teaching church, Bible study in his word, do whatever you can to to uh, and then especially for those that are coming out of tough lifestyles or tough struggles, that is the first day of your true recovery your true recovery and that is the first day of you creating a brand new past so you get into christ-centered recovery on as soon after you can and you begin to create that new past you start dealing with the old one is what got you to that place and then you're starting to develop a brand new one so when you look back over weeks months and years you're not looking back in sorrow grief sadness and despair right and shame you're, you've dealt with that, and it began on that day. You look back months and weeks later and say, "Gosh, Lord, what you've done in my life. I no longer look back in sadness. I no longer look back in grief and despair. I look back in hope. I look back in encouragement, strength, power, grace, mercy. That's how you create the new past.
0: I love that and Greg, how do how do we set healthy boundaries?
1: Um, very, how much time do we have
0: We got time?
1: <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> ha, well, it, cause you mentioned earlier about coming out of a family and finding a new one in Christ center recovery. And that's true. Um, boundaries are absolutely, absolutely essential for leading a, a good, uh, you know, a, a safe, um, uh, lifestyle, um, a, um, a, um, how do I describe it? Um, because oftentimes when we're dealing, we're, oftentimes when we're dealing with struggles, life struggles and other things, we're surrounded by harmful people uh, because we let that's all we know. You know, that's all we know. But even when we're healthy, we're surrounded by, you know, church is full of people, not perfect people. And you have to be very discerning. And that's where the conviction and the Holy Spirit comes in. Do I be friends with this person? Can I trust this person? Let me observe this person. Let me be around them for a while. What's their, what's their speech like? What's their, what are their actions like? How do they treat other people? The most important thing we should be doing in our life is surrounding, our, surrounding ourselves with people we can trust and people that are safe. And oftentimes we're surrounded by a lot of people that aren't. Mm. I'm a firm believer that God removes people from our life to protect us and we're not to run after them. That's happened in my own life many times over so what you do is you you again it's it's evaluating and doing an inventory of those that are around you now when you're in a tough life situation especially uh in bondage to an addiction you don't have the wherewithal to start placing boundaries or do any of that you your your false reality which i created back then that false reality is like everybody's your friend. Oh my gosh! Oh, opened up to and you're just out there, right? And you have no filters. But then you become a believer, and all of a sudden everything's changed. You've extricated yourself from that lifestyle and most of those people, and you're creating a whole new network of trusting, caring people, um, and therefore. You have to put boundaries emotionally, mentally, uh, physically, and spiritually in your life, and and to to lead a healthy, uh, spirit-filled life, it's it's vital to do that because there are people. You have to you have to know that the people um, and be discerning that the people. Some of these people are very harmful, and even your own family. You have to be very discerning there. Like especially at holiday times, Ward. You know people are really um hesitant to go back into that environment and i've told them don't go you don't have to go back in there you don't if you're not at a place where you're stronger more mature uh, able to handle that then by all means you don't have to go and that's a really good boundary and it is
0: and you know and ladies and gentlemen in craig brown's book stop hiding start healing he literally covers the area in the book of finding a new family not new relatives, but people you can be around, people you can trust uh, that helps you continue to grow and to recover and to heal from those hurts, that guilt, that shame. And, you know, Greg, you said something that's so important. You know, I hear so many people during the holiday season and they're like, oh, my gosh. It's almost like they're already putting the wall up trying to say, OK, now we're not going to talk about politics, religion and you know and susie's uh 15 surgeries blah 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 and yeah and i get it i mean who wants to be in a negative environment when it should be a joyous time of year so so why do that to yourself
1: exactly and that but that's it's not just family either it's just uh Uh, you know (laughs) workplace um you know just be mindful uh have a better filter be far more discerning about who you share what with or, you know, what you're sharing with other people, because here, you're like, um, each of our lives are absolute beautiful gifts. And the most important thing we should be doing is protecting our hearts, our souls, our minds, you know, uh, and allowing God to, you know, prayerfully protect us and be far more discerning and, and uh, aware, yeah. fully aware of what's going on around us. And that's why I stress about, you know, Christ Center Recovery being, um, you know, a, um, Uh, a major, major place in your life to develop self-awareness. And we teach these things. A lot of folks just have never have heard about them, but they don't know how to implement them. And that's why I share it in the book, you know, to be helpful resource.
0: Well, and, and again, your book is extremely complete. And ladies and gentlemen, I put stop hiding, start healing at the top of my list. For those of you who are looking for help, and you need that. And, and one of the things that I really am appreciate that you covered in your book and, and I tell people all the time about stop putting a label on yourself. Okay. I can read people's posts on Facebook and peg them in an instant. And I go, you're wearing that as a label, maybe knowingly and maybe unknowingly. But many people today, they use their struggle as a label and uh use it as their identity so how do you help them to see their true identity as that of christ
1: that's a great question um it is true when you're in the midst of your struggle that you do you take on that identity now i mentioned earlier about my childhood my identity for years all throughout my childhood was father brown's son you know i didn't have my own you know i didn't know how to develop my own you know until later on it was you know uh i was in the midst of the party um but identity is first of all, we're all made in God's image. And that, if anything, we let me back up a minute. Um, and this is the biggest difference ward between secular recovery and Christ Center Recovery. And second and I just I, I still I, I I get in interesting discussions about this with people. In secular in secular recovery, you are practically forced to, to identify yourself as an addict and identify yourself as an alcoholic. I mean, that's the first thing. You, Hi, I'm Craig. I'm an alcoholic. I'm, and for the life of me, I can, to this day, and I, again, I get in heated, not heated, but just, you know, direct discussions. Why would I want to, why do I need to identify myself as something that I'm trying to be set free from? You know, why do I need to put a label of addict on my life when I am doing everything in my power? not to be one. And that's the difference between secular and Christ-centered recovery. Christ-centered recovery, I'm a man of God first. That's my identity. And I happen to struggle with fill in the blank, or I'm a woman of God, grateful believer. I'm a woman of God. But I happen to struggle with, when you make the pivot, when you make the pivot and allow God to be and Lord to be over and your identity, you know, oh my goodness, there's power in that. Because all these labels, addict, alcoholic, sex addict, you know, really? No, 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 not in my book. In over two decades, I've never, ever, even when I was in the midst of my mess, I never, you know, identified as that. Of course, I was in total denial, but I wasn't going to identify, you know, I didn't have anything in my life, but I didn't identify in that. But denial aside... Your identity, your life is precious. God created you to be successful. God created you to flourish and have a beautiful destiny. He created you for wonderful, wonderful things. But along the way, okay, in that cycle, in that, that cycle we made poor decisions. And he's trying to get you on that linear path with him. And, you know, if you continue to take on... Now, the other part of that, too, is, oh, woe, woe is me. You know, the pity factor, the manipulating, you know, that we tend to do if we're in the midst of our addiction and other things. I want pity, you know, and, and what have you. So people will play on that big time. Big yeah. time. I used to. Well, well yeah.
0: ladies and gentlemen, I will tell you this right now, uh, and I can guarantee it because it's in the word. God calls you his masterpiece. There's no other label you need but that one. He said He created you in His image, no one else's, not your neighbor, not your friend, not even your family. You were created in His image, so you are His masterpiece. He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you, who is a masterpiece, but to repair us, to bring us back to the fold, to bring us back into His family. And Mm -hmm. Craig Brown is correct. Christ-centered recovery—that's the recovery you need, and you need to be looking for. Uh, Craig Brown, where can all of my viewers and listeners get your incredible book, "Stop Hiding and Start Healing"?
1: Well, it is available on Amazon. Uh, "Stop Hiding, Start Healing." I have a website as well: stophidingstarthealingbook.com. Stop Hiding, Start Healing Book. I can also be reached by my personal website, craigdbrown.com.
0: Well, Craig, I want to thank you so much for coming on to the program. And in a way, I think we just covered just your book uh, just very lightly because there's so much there. And ladies and gentlemen, I encourage you, all of us need to be reading this book You may find things that uh, you've been hiding forever that maybe you forgot and the Lord's wanting to deal with that within you. And remember, He is the one that we need to allow to deal with our problems because He said, Hey, cast your burdens upon me, not for Christ to carry them, but for Him to carry them away. Okay, so Stop Hiding and Start Healing by Craig Brown. You can find it at Stop Hiding StartHealingBook.com, Or if you want to to, uh, learn more about Craig Brown, go to craigdbrown.com. Both websites are at the bottom of your screen. And again, I encourage everyone, you need to buy a copy of this book, start reading it. We can all learn something and we all need to be drawn deeper to the greatest healer, the great physician, Jesus Christ, because that's our savior, that's our healer, our deliverer, and our redeemer. And he's our provider, and he provides a way to that healing. So let's get off the hamster wheel and get onto the road to recovery, healing, and to get on the road to Christ. And Craig, any last words before we go?
1: Hey, um, being enc- uh encouraged i hope in some way shape or form that there was something that touched your heart in a way and that uh you know changes is, is right is there for you freedom healing it's there for you and i pray that if you are going through something uh, difficult in your life you know reach out find someone you can trust reach out to myself if you'd like i'm there to help you
0: all right ladies and gentlemen there you have it now is the time Surrender to Him. Surrender to Christ. Stop hiding. Start healing. Go to stophidingstarthealingbook.com or go to craigdbrown.com. And of course, you can find the book on Amazon. And uh, we'll be right back after these messages.